0: الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا ايها الذين امنوا ادخلوا في السلم كافه ولا تتبعوا خطوات الشيطان إِنَّهُ لَكُمْ عَدُوٌ مُّبِينٌ my اللَّهُ الْعَظِيمُ
1: doom, I 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 doom, Tala doom, the most the greatest of all the Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as the last and final messenger with this most perfect Deen Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam lived this Deen demonstrated every bit of it and the Sahaba Ikram time to time would question Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam with regards to various aspects and Nabi Sallallahu wa would give the detailed answers, so they also played a very great role in bringing about that deeper explanation and clarity on many aspects of Deen. But sometimes somebody would ask a question which was not yet the most appropriate thing. He asked it out of his zeal, he asked it out of his enthusiasm. But sometimes, it was not the most appropriate thing at that time. So one ayat of the Qur'an Sharif was revealed. Actually, what happened was that the laws of Hajj were revealed. So Nabi Islam explained that Hajj is now compulsory on those who have the means such a person now must perform the Hajj. So somebody asked that is this farz only this year or once in a lifetime or every year is it farz? Then he asked the question again. The Vizlauzum was a little disturbed with this, and then this ayat came down. The said, "Look, you ask these kind of questions, perhaps then the reply might come in a way that you might be it might become very difficult for you." So certain things are not necessarily things that you need to ask if it's not pertaining to you directly in terms of your action, your correction of some aspect. If hajj is meant to become first every year, Allah would have explained it accordingly. That's not something for you to have delved in. But after this ayat, the Sahaba became very cautious that it must not be that we ask something that becomes a means of disturbance. A question on the one hand, in the Hadith Sharif, Nabi sallallahu says, As-sualu nisful ilm that a question is half of knowledge. In other words, a good question opens the door to knowledge. So the door of knowledge that opened the starting point was the good question. So this became half of that knowledge. So to ask something that is of relevance, to ask something that is of importance is necessary. To ask something that relates to our islah, to our rectification, that is essential. Many a times, A person will ask a question that is of a very secondary nature. It doesn't really apply to him. doesn't really uh, matter to him whether he had the answer to that question or not. It's a very academic issue. Something which he will never be really needing the answer to that as such in day-to-day life. Fine, if somebody is a person who has who is in that line, for example, one person he asked Hazrat Gangoi Rahmatullah one question. Now the question that he asked was regarding the reason behind a certain command in deen. Whatever the issue was, but why is this like this? So when he asked this question, why is this command in this manner? Why was this revealed in this manner? Why is this the law of deen? Hazat replied to him, You better accept it, otherwise, I will take my shoes out and give you such a hiding on your head, you won't get left with one, I won't leave one hair left on your head. So, this person kept quiet and he went away. Then, after some time, Hazrat was teaching a daras, he was in the class delivering a lecture on hadith, and the similar or the same subject came up. One student asked the same question that this person had asked outside that what is the reasoning, what is the hikmah, what is the wisdom behind this law of deen. And Gawir Rahmatullah went into a detailed discussion and he explained all the aspects pertaining to it and a very, very comprehensive and detailed answer he gave. So somebody who was witness to both the situations later on asked him, As if you gave a very detailed answer here, you gave a very complete reply here. So the same thing would have been told to that person But there you gave him a very different reply. You told him you better accept it as it is, otherwise I will give you such a hiding you won't get left with one hair on your head. You see, that person is not somebody who has the capacity to understand this deeper knowledge. He is not somebody studying Deen. So his responsibility is to know what he is supposed to do, how he is supposed to do it, and carry on. What is it going to matter to him? He doesn't know many of the essentials of Deen still. What is it going to matter to him whether he knows the deeper things and neither is this is something that he is responsible to know. The hikmah and the wisdom behind the laws of Allah. That is filled with wisdom. It's not his duty to fall into that. And here there's somebody who is on that line of learning the details of deen. So he has a background, he has the foundation on which to build on, to which to understand. He has the primary concepts in place. Now it is possible for him to understand the details of it. So therefore it warranted that reply. So in any case, this is something which on the one hand to ask a correct question is necessary. To ask a relevant question is necessary, it's important. And especially things that pertain to our day-to-day aspects of Deen, our Islah, our rectification, that is of most importance. Many a times a person will ask about, will ask the question, question would be, what is the interpretation of this dream? This is what I dreamt. I was walking around in some gardens and so on. Suddenly I felt a very light feeling. I felt like I was flying. So now the answer is expecting that inshallah I'll be told, maybe, well don't worry, you're flying high already. So that dream and the interpretation of that dream, that is the question that a person will readily ask. But I'm not managing to make my Fajr with Jamaat. How many people will ask that? I can't seem to keep my gaze under control, how to get this sorted out. That's a question to have asked. My heart is still filled with all kinds of suspicion, of doubts, unnecessary suspicion about people and very, very uh, doubtful about everything, always finding some kind of thing to make a point or make an unnecessary point about and uh, not being considerate, not being compassionate to others. How do I overcome this? what is a way of bringing that sunnah of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi with regards to ibadat muamalat muasharat akhlaq into my life now, these are the things to ask and these are the things that we unfortunately seldom ask so in any case coming back to the discussion that the sahaba ikram after the ayat of the quran sharif was revealed they became very cautious And because they became very cautious many times, there would be things they want to ask but at the same time they are a little hesitant. It must not be that this is not the right thing to have asked. So they would wait for some Bedouin to come. Some Bedouin, the Bedouins were very, very free because they weren't very people who had the opportunity to learn a lot of culture, etiquette. So they would ask as it came to their mind and Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would tolerate this and would give them the leeway for it too because they didn't have the opportunity to learn that culture or somebody has just come in new so he comes in new and he asks some question he asks it as it comes to his mind he doesn't have any uh, introduction to it nothing some person comes, he says to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam I'm going to ask you something and I'm going to ask it in a little bit straightforward way don't take offense to it He's speaking to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He's saying, look, I'm going to ask very straightforward. Don't take offense. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam go ahead. Ask what you want. Salma Badalak. He gave him that leeway. You ask what you want. And sometimes a person came and he asked, what am I to do? Asked a few things. Nabi Sallallahu gave him that advice. He said, but this is what I'll do. I won't do one more but One bit more than this. And he went away. Nabi Sallallahu said, you want to see a person of Jannat? See him. That he will do what he's told okay he said he's not going to do one but more inshallah that will come also but he will stay firm on what he has committed himself to that the advice i was given i will stick to this i will not shirk in this in any way this is the path to jannah so in any case they would wait for these kind of opportunities and this is now bringing us to the subject that we wish to briefly discuss in the time left there's a very very famous hadith in the books of hadith all the famous books of hadith contain this which is known as hadith-e Jibreel just as Surah Al-Fatiha is the crux of the entire Quran Sharif it is known as Ummul Quran the entire Quran Sharif the summary and the gist of the Quran Sharif in Surah Al-Fatiha so likewise this hadith Jibreel is this is known as al sunnah the entire detail that is found in all the ahadith of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam it has all been summarized in this one hadith the gist of it the crux of it is here and then the detailed explanations is in the whole all the ahadiths that are to be found and this incident also occurred towards the latter part of the life of nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam According to some commentators of hadith, it was approximately three months before Nabi Islam passed away. So now all the laws of deen have been revealed, deen has been completed, hajjatul wada, the ayat was already revealed, al akmaltu lakum deenakum, and now this incident occurs at that time. So there is very, very deep knowledge in this, after all it is the crux of the entire sunnah. And therefore this gives us complete guidance about every aspect of life just in a few words. What we supposed to have been latching on to, everything is here. (coughs) Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala, he narrates this, but prior to this, in Muslim Sharif, the Hadith Sharif that is narrated regarding this, there is a little background to it. The narrator is a narrator by the name of Yahya Ya'mur and he says look there was something that started happening in our time now this is the time of the Tabi'in. there were many Sahaba presence after the demise of Rasulullah and he says something new came up what came up at that time some people started putting forward this ideology and now this was something new, they started putting forward this ideology that look predestination, taqdeer this is something that really is not the reality there is no such thing as predestination and things just happened things just carry on, it's not something that was predestined, this world just came in everything just happens on its own steam but now this started coming from such people, at that time there was this sect that came out suddenly called the Qadriya. They denied takdir, But they were people who, he himself now, he gives us entire description. He sees when this started taking root, he says, <coughs> these people were doing it in a very, very impressive way. As a result, they were getting a lot of people uh, impressed with what they were saying. A lot of people were getting carried away. A lot of people were now latching on to this. Obviously, this is a completely batil and false thing. It is something that takes a person out of iman. But even such batil things, things that are so deviated, it sometimes emanates from from quarters where it seems like these people should know better. Because they are quoting left, right and center. Every second minute, the person is quoting an ayat from the Quran Sharif. He knows a hadith like I can't even read Suratul Suratul Fatiha so well. And he can read hadith upon Hadith like he's reading Suratul Fatiha. So this person and his salah subhanallah, what a salah he performs. Now these are all aspects that in this discussion in this hadith Sharif he says that this but nevertheless he says this disturbed me. And I thought we need to find out about this. Now this is a very important lesson. Something new came about. Something new came of the scene which they were not familiar with. It's coming from quarters that apparently are knowledgeable. But what was his recourse? What was his immediate response? I need to get this checked out from people who I have that complete confidence in in Dean, who have been have an established track record. Not somebody who's just come in new and apparently seems to know better. But somebody who the learned people of the time have endorsed that this person is a person who has the correct ilm. He's a mufti of repute. He's somebody who has that correct line of the predecessors, Akabir. He's somebody well grounded in ilm. Well grounded in, apparently as far as we can make out, Alhamdulillah is a person of taqwa. So that's the recourse. There's no other recourse. So he said he started worrying me and I felt now when will we get to meet some Sahabi? How I wish we, because there were some Sahaba present still. The numbers were dwindling by that time. But there were some Sahaba who were still present. So he says it happened that we went for Hajj. All this is happening in Basra. He says we came for Hajj. And myself and a companion, Abdul Rahman Himyari, and he says, as we were entering the Haram Sharif, it just happened our good fortune that we ended up meeting up with Abdullah bin Umar. He says, this was the real gift for us. We were searching that we must meet with some Sahabi and here comes such a great person, such a great personality, such a knowledgeable person, somebody whose uh, ittiba of sunnah was proverbial. Extent to which he would, even the very, very fine aspects of sunnah, he would be very diligently trying to follow So he says We were very very happy about Having to just meet up with him by chance here He says we Started walking alongside him So in any case he gave the details And then now he described He said to him Look this is what has happened back in our place Yeah, These people He He's describing them They have very deep knowledge They can go down into the depths of things they can quote like people can't quote and they apparently are very pious people etc etc but something new they came up with so now this is what they are saying they are saying there is no such thing like taqdeer they are saying this is something that doesn't apply predestination, taqdeer, this is not part of our aqeedah and belief Abdullah bin Umar straight out all the various big big titles that were given regarding them and the apparent depth of knowledge and the descriptions of piety and all those things one side but this was an aspect of aqidah and belief and this was something in direct contradiction to the established aqidah and belief from the quran and sunnah he said look we tell them inni minhum ana um minhum wa hum minni i got nothing to do with them they got nothing to do with me i don't even acknowledge them to be part of deen part of Islam and Iman I got nothing to do with such people and they have nothing to do with me if they remain on such an aqidah and belief now this is the benefit of keeping on to the straight path and to the path of those who are established in the correct ilm that what seemed to be very very attractive in terms of how it was presented, what was being said but when it came to the crunch and when people of true knowledge were asked about it, without any hesitation, they just dis- distinguish what is right and wrong. So then he, in explanation of this, that why I am saying this, what is the reason that I am saying that this is totally out of the, there is no way that this can be accepted. This takes a person completely out of the pale of Iman. In this, in substantiation of that, he then quoted this hadith at Jibreel. He then quoted this hadith which we are discussing. This hadith where Hazrat Jibreel Sallallahu Alaihi came in human form. So Abdullah bin Umar R.A. now quotes from his father Hazrat Umar R.A. <coughs> 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 see, we're sitting with Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and then suddenly we see here is this person coming and he is dressed fully in white. He is. He hay is black meaning completely well groomed and everybody is looking at one another in confusion that who is this, he is a stranger because nobody knows him, nobody recognizes him but he doesn't seem to be a traveler either because he was a traveler we would have seen some signs of travel on him, in that zamana in time somebody just came in, he would, would be dust covered, he would be disheveled because he could ride on a horseback and come on a camel and through the deserts. He doesn't seem to be any of these things. So it was a very confusing scene. And on this occasion, Nabi ﷺ himself did not recognize him initially. It was only after he left the majlis, Nabi Islam recognized it was Nabi Islam. So here, in any case, he came. Now there are many details in the Hadith Sharif, which we won't go into all those details. He then came closer to Rasulullah Wasallam, and he finally sat right in front of him, and he sat in the Tashahud position, which is the position of a student of Deen. Unless, obviously, it is not easy for him to maintain that posture, then he will sit in whatever posture he can easily maintain. But that is the posture of a student of Deen. came and sat in that posture. And then he had his hands on his knees. Then he even put it on the knees of Nabi Islam in utmost humility. And to bring the full and complete attention towards himself. And then he asked Nabi Islam some questions. There's a very famous hadith Sharif which is often discussed, but after all it is Umm Sunnah. Now we need to reflect upon how much of all this is in us. In any case, the first question he asked is that what is Islam? Mal Islam, Anil Islam. Tell me what is Islam all about? Nabi also explained to what is Islam antashhadu alla illallah wa anna muhammadan you testify that there is none worthy of worship besides Allah taala and then risalat that i am the messenger and the servant of Allah taala without this belief in the risalat of rasulullah sallallahu the messengership of nabi sallallahu person's iman is no iman it's null and void, nowadays again as we started off on this point of new ideology, there are many of these new ideologies that are being pushed forward and there's an agenda behind it and very fancy terminology, all the rivers meet in the ocean so all the religions are all fine, we have to be very there's two parts to this one is, the Quran Sharif Allah Ta'ala says, don't revile the people of other creeds and revile their gods and so on publicly because what they are going to do is in return, na'uzu billah, they going to now then revile Allah ta'ala, na'uzu billah. so avoid this, don't get into that so on the one hand, we will not uh, run anybody down in public and make a mockery of somebody or something of that nature that is something to totally avoid but at the same time, we don't compromise in our aqidah and belief we don't make statements that give some kind of 50-50 ideology. No, on aqeedah and belief, while he will not mock somebody else, he'll keep quiet on that, but he'll be very clear about his own position. He'll be very clear that without the belief in the Risalat, there is no salvation in Akhirat. It's not that, well, maybe everything will come right. No, it won't come right. If a person died without believing Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to be the last and final messenger of Allah Ta'ala, and accepting that then there is no iman He's died on kufr and he is in perpetual doom and destruction in the akhirat person has to be very clear about it unfortunately many a times nowadays there is a very compromising attitude in some aspects of aqidah and belief this is totally out of place this is totally wrong so this aspect of risalat and then Nabi Salaam explained salah Zakat, fasting, hajj, the pillars of Islam now, This was Islam Islam is external Submission Externally also a person Totally submits himself to Allah now, This is Umm Sunnah This is the first question He's asking, this is the crux and summary Of the entire deen And now in this response To the question about Islam Obviously the Shahadatayn expressing it Because if a person doesn't express it then he won't be treated as a Muslim. Though the belief is in his heart. But to be treated as a Muslim, there's also a condition. And then immediately thereafter is Salah. salah <الصلاة> You establish Salah in your life. And throughout the Quran Sharif also, the command is of establishing Salah. يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْغَيْبِ وَيُقِيمُ وَيُقِيمُونَ الصلاة. And in, throughout the Quran Sharif, establishing Salah. Establishing Salah is that a person number one is performing is five times Salah, not four times not three times, it's five times Salah. Now the summer months are here and Fajr now starts becoming an issue for many people but Deen, this is the beauty of Deen that the submission of this mu'min, this is something that he displays that come what it may, whether it's summer or winter whether it is day or night and this is where his submission is and this is the, the beauty of our deen that everything will find its time in every part of the year the person sometimes will have the very easy fast of the winter months which Nabi Islam turned as barida, such an easy thing easy thing to just do and get so much and sometimes there will be the test of the long summer months the long fast of the summer months the lunar calendar this is the beauty of it that this will keep rotating and sometimes Fajr in winter will be very easy because it's late but at the same time it will be challenging because it's cold and then come summer it will be so easy to bear in terms of the weather wise but it will be very early for him now does he submit to Allah in winter the Isha will be very early but very cold but come summer the cold is gone but it's late now you wait now. Are you going to bed before the Isha Salah is performed? Allah Ta'ala's command, i go to wait, I will wait. Wait for the time to come, complete my Isha Salah and then go to bed. This is that submission that is being tested. After all, we are the slaves of Allah Ta'ala. And this is the first thing that this submission really becomes manifesting. Our Salah. And this is what Shaitan attacks first. If a person is Shaitan manages to get him out of his salah. They start off first somewhere in Fajr, then it will become Fajr and Isha, or first it will become just salah, that Jamaat will come out. And this is also something Ajib, the salah with Jamaat. That five times a day and then wajib to perform it with Jamaat. And such importance on that Jamaat. Nabi Salaam says that had it not been for the women and children in the homes, then I would go and burn down the homes of those who perform their salah in their homes without a valid reason. They don't come to the masjid for jama'ah without a valid reason. Such importance, such emphasis, because this is what breaks the back of shaitan. That a person is now part of this brotherhood and part of this body of Muslims and repeatedly coming to the masjid five times a day and then part of this this entire congregation of Musallis is performing his Salah. This is giving that additional strength, spiritual strength, to keep him going. And how many times this becomes the case that a person first stops making Salah with Jama'ah, then eventually starts becoming Qaza. Something here becomes Qaza, something there becomes Qaza. Now first the Jama'at went. Outwardly it seemed, well, okay, Jama'at is not fard now wajib not farz, I made my salah after all but one thing leads to the next The person now took that jamaat lightly the door to salah becoming qaza opened out and then first it was one salah then it becomes several salah and now sometimes in the day he must several salah one time so that qaza got left also and then the importance of salah slowly starts diminishing, when salah goes then the door to every evil is opened many a person who started off missing his salah he was a person didn't even cast one glance, wrong glance in the whole day. started missing his salah and he started looking at the worst haram on his phone. Now this is something which sometimes might just seem to be well it's there, it's a part of Deen, we accept it, we acknowledge it but it is far deeper than that also. It is a part of Deen obviously but what has been given such great emphasis in Deen is not just for the sake of it. Our entire hifazat is in it. Our entire protection is in it. And therefore, that must be given the prior importance. It's five times Salah would Jama'ah. And unless there is some valid reason, that too must be in the Masjid. The person is travelling, is ill, whatever the case is. And there are valid reasons in Sharia. Without that valid reason, there should be no point where that Salah is missed with Jama'ah in the Masjid. Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud, عن, this is a very clear statement he made that وَلَوْ وَلَوْ That if you start performing your salah in your homes and you leave out the way of your Nabi, وسلم, that he emphasized coming to the masjid with, for salah Jama'ah, he's not saying you don't perform your salah. saying you start performing your salah in your homes. And you leave out the way of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, his fatwa he gives is, laltum, you'll go astray. And he's not saying you don't perform your salah. He's saying giving up this jamaat, laltum, it would lead to finally, eventually, this becomes a stepping stone, one to the next, that to the next. And this comes to the stepping stone of getting a person to be led astray, Allah forbid. Allah ta'ala protect us and save us. So in any case, this was the question that he asked, tell me about Islam. Nabi Islam explained to him in detail about Islam, these pillars of Islam. Then he asked about Iman, tell me about Iman. Then in response to this reply, uh, this question, Nabi Islam explained to him, billahi wa malaikatihi wa kutubihi wa wal yomil akhir bil qadri wa sharrihi All the articles of faith, bring Iman in Allah Ta'ala, bring Iman in the angels, in the messengers, in the books of Allah Ta'ala. And bring Iman in predestination. Now, this is a very deep thing. Once the Sahaba started discussing this, Nabi Salaam came out and he heard them discussing it. He became so upset. The sahabi says it was as if somebody had squeezed pomegranate onto his face. In other words, he became so red. He said, that, Is this what Allah ta'ala sent you for? <coughs> This is what destroyed people before you. They, they started trying to get into discussions which are beyond their capacity. Shah Waliullah a person of a very high caliber. He's written a book which is unique in its own rights. <laughs> four detailed volumes explaining the deep wisdom behind the ahkam of deen. Can you imagine in four volumes, extensive volumes, he explains the wisdoms behind the various laws of deen. Now the person of that caliber and that knowledge, he says, Alhamdulillah, this aspect of taqdeel is as clear as daylight to me. Wallah Allah blessed with that capacity? Mashallah, for them there is no, no confusion in it at all. But now if a child who is now in primary school insists on trying to understand that trigonometry problem, First, he will have to start learning how to pronounce the word trigonometry. Now, he says, What's all this X, Y, and Z's and, and this big 2 and there's another small 2 on top? And for him, is big 2 and small 2. He hasn't learned square whatever and all the various terminologies of mathematics. What he's going to understand that. But now he says, If I don't understand it, then it doesn't make sense. If I don't understand all this uh, mathematical equations, I must understand it, otherwise it doesn't make sense. But you can't understand it, so leave it at that. It makes hundred percent sense to those who understand it, to those who have that background knowledge, to those who have that understanding of that concept of that whole field of knowledge. So the one part of this is complete iman in it. Without any doubt that this is part of Deen. But not to get into that discussion because it is beyond us. One person asked, Ali r.a, explain to me taqdeer. He told him, pick up your one leg. So he picked it up, now he's standing on one leg. He says, now keep that as is, and now pick up the other leg also. Said, but how am I to pick up the other leg? If I want to pick up the other leg, I am going to fall. You are asking me to keep this leg as is, and now pick up the other leg, he says, but this is what it is. There is a certain amount of choice you have in the matter, and certain amount is beyond you. You just accept that as is. And just carry on. On the day of Qiyamah, it will all become as clear as daylight. But here, Allah Ta'ala has given us that ability to choose between right and wrong. And we have to make that effort to choose correctly. Allah Ta'ala has opened all the means of being able to give us that ability to choose correctly. Now a person deliberately he leaves what the Good things are, he puts his hand in the fire. He's blame, He needs to blame himself. Person, when it comes to, for example, the time of eating now, somebody has given him some Dawat, and now this is a Dawat of its kind. Once in a year, this person really lays it out. Seven Kos is not the word. Maybe 21 Kos or something. And it's something that this fellow waits for the whole year. And now the date of the Dawat came. So he's sitting in his house. And somebody asks him, you're not coming. He says, well, it's my Taqdeer that food will come in my stomach. Have you heard anybody doing that? That he's waiting the whole year for the dawat, Then the day the dawat is there, that Walima or whatever the case is, he says, hey, it's my takdeer will come, my stomach, I'm sitting, I'm not going anywhere. Rather, before time, he'll be there. Before time, he'll be there, he'll be asking what happened, the food is delayed. Hungry now, where is it? What happened now, suddenly, only when it comes to Salah time, then suddenly he says, my takdeer, I'll be in the masjid. When it comes to other aspects of din, he says, my takdeer, I'll be there, I'll do it. When it comes to food, then doesn't my, that time he doesn't say well it's my takdir and he'll come here in my. I'll sleep in my bed, that food will just come in my mouth somehow business what do I have to open for? why do I have to go and open my shop? It's my takdir that wealth will come without the shop close it why do I have to go and work? that time everybody understands very clearly that we have a certain amount of choice in the matter which Allah Ta'ala has given us we'll have to work for it, we'll have to make an effort for it and accordingly Allah Ta'ala out of His grace will then make it happen so likewise Allah Ta'ala has opened the path of deen for us we make an effort, we submit ourselves, we adopt the correct procedures out of his grace Allah Ta'ala will then bless us and grant us so in any case he asked about these aspects about Iman, Islam then he asked him the third question mal ihsan, explain to me what is ihsan all about now this was, Hibayi Salaam came as a student asking these questions because the sahaba were cautious now not to ask so Allah Ta'ala sent him that by means of these questions, Nabi Sallallahu will give the answers, and this was meant to become the entire summary of Deen. The Umm sunnah So Nabi Sallallahu explained this Ihsan. Iman, Islam, this is the body, this is the structure. But if that soul is missing, then that whole body is lifeless. And the soul in this body of Deen is Ihsan. And therefore Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi ka then explained, now there's very detailed discussions about this, but the sum total of this entire discussion is that worship Allah Ta'ala, worship Allah Ta'ala is not confined to only salah. It's not confined to only formal aspects of ibadat. Our 24 hours of our life, 24-7 we are in worship. And therefore in another version of this riwayat, it is Antakhshallah you forever be conscious of Allah Ta'ala ka'annaka tara the sum total of this entire discussion is as if you are being seen by Allah Ta'ala and you are aware of it that you are aware that Allah Ta'ala is seeing you all the time, this is the reality one part of it is as if you are seeing Allah Ta'ala and if you cannot bring that to heart then be sure Allah Ta'ala is seeing you this is the real aspect, the last part be sure Allah Ta'ala is watching that is a hundred reality, obviously. You cannot see Allah in the dunya, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter that you cannot see Allah. Because the real thing is that Allah is seeing you. And Since Allah is seeing you, you need to be all the time doing what Allah is going to be pleased with. Speak what Allah will be pleased with. You do what Allah will be pleased with. Think what Allah will be pleased with. Because He knows what is going in the heart also. الْأَعْيُنُ الصُّدُورِ this is an ihsan. To the extent there'll be ihsan, there'll be that life in one's salah. To the extent there'll be ihsan, there'll be the life in one's tilawat, in zikr, in dua. To the extent that there is ihsan, there'll be the adherence to the commands of Allah Ta'ala in day-to-day life. In a person's mu'asharat, in his social life, in his interaction with his parents, with his wife, with his children, with people in society, because now he's conscious of Allah Ta'ala. I'm going to be questioned by Allah Ta'ala. What I said, how I said it, how I spoke, what I'm thinking. He'll be conscious about his Muhammad, his dealings, because he's conscious of Allah Ta'ala. So as long as Ihsan is alive, Deen will be alive. This is the ruh, this is the soul. Otherwise, he'll be, in his akhlaq also, he'll be far away from akhlaq. Ihsan is not alive. So to do that which pleases Allah Ta'ala won't be the driving point. How can I get my own back? How can I maximize my benefit even if it is at somebody else's loss? How can I just make life comfortable for myself even if it makes it difficult for somebody else? And the aspects of akhlaq will take on difficulty upon myself to make it comfortable for somebody else? Far away from the heart and mind. Why? Because of lack of ihsan. The Sahaba doesn't matter, I starve, but let my brother eat. Where this came from? From Ihsan. Fine, I'll take the difficulty for somebody else's comfort. I'll take the pain for somebody else's pleasure. Very good. No problem. Why? Because Ihsan, a person is conscious of Allah ta'ala. When he's conscious of Allah ta'ala, then he's conscious of akhirat. This is not gone in vain. This is not gone in vain. This will bring a tremendous reward on the day of Qiyamat. And the greatest reward is the pleasure of Allah ta'ala. What is min Minalahi Akbar? My Rabbi becomes happy with me, what more I want? Allah ta'ala becomes pleased with me? So if I took on some pain on myself for somebody else's comfort, for somebody else's ease, and I got Allah ta'ala's pleasure in return, what more, is there, can there be a price to it? What a bargain this is. But now when will a person think in that manner? To the extent of ehsan? And if ehsan is missing, he must also bear the burden. Why must I bear the burden all the time? He can't keep getting away so cheap. He must pay for it too. Whatever it is, whether it's on a social level, whether it's on a domestic level, whether it is on a uh, business level or whatever, obviously there are rights, there are responsibilities which everybody should be fulfilling. But to think on that level, on that higher level, doesn't matter I take the difficulty on myself or somebody else's ease, that can only come to the extent of Ihsan. And let alone taking on somebody else's difficulty, taking on the difficulty so that somebody else can have ease, if this Ihsan is missing completely, then we will take on the rights of others and trample on their rights just in order to fill our coffers. In order to make things better for ourselves, we will trample people's rights. So This is the very crux of it all, this Ihsan. This is what really brings deen alive. And thereafter he asked him, <coughs> "That Give me the detail of Qiyamat. فَأَخْبِرْنِي عَنِ السَّاعَةِ Tell me about Qiyamat. So Nabi Salaam replied to him and said, مَا الْمَسْؤُولُ عَنْهَا بِأَعْلَمَ مِنَ sail you are asking such a question, neither the person asking or the person being asked knows about it. Now, this is a very lengthy answer. Neither is the person asking nor the person being asked. Neither of them know it. simple, straightforward answer apparently would have been I don't know. That is what is being meant to say. But in this, Nabi Salasim gave a very deep answer, a very detailed answer. And the answer is that, look, you are asking me today, and I'm being the person who is asked about it, let alone you and myself, anybody till Qiyamat. Obviously, this is the, nobody greater can be asking, and nobody greater can be the person being asked. But if we don't know it, till Qiyamat, there won't be anybody asking, and there won't be anybody being asked who can ever know it because this is part of the exclusive knowledge of Allah Ta'ala inna allaha indahu ilm as-sa'a wa yunzilul ghayth wa ya'lamu ma fil arham ama tadri nafsun ma da taksibu ghadan amma tadri nafsun bi ardin tamut the five things which are exclusively in the knowledge of Allah Ta'ala which Allah Ta'ala didn't divulge to anybody the t- time of qiyamah the beasts last one, saying even i don't know this is also part of a very important aspect of aqeedah and belief that there are certain aspects, that the total, complete knowledge of everything, this is the exclusive attribute of Allah Ta'ala. There are many, many things which Allah Ta'ala has informed the Anbiya Muslatu Wasalam. they have been given tremendous knowledge. All the knowledge of the Anbiya Alim, Wasalam on one side, and the knowledge of Rasulullah on the other side, all the knowledge of the Anbiya Alim, salam, cannot compare to the knowledge Nabi S.A.W. was granted his knowledge alone will outweigh the knowledge of all the ambiyani musarah but after that also this too is limited knowledge and the knowledge of allah taala is unlimited is infinite and there are certain aspects which allah taala has not divulged even to nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam and this is what is mentioned in this ayat inna llaha indahu saa. allah alone knows the time of Qiyamat, when it will come Certain aspects that some signs have been given. But the actual date, actual time, only Allah Ta'ala knows. any case, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, okay, Hazrat Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, okay, tell me some of the signs of Qiyamat. The date and time of Qiyamat, we won't know. Tell me the signs of Qiyamat. Jibreel Sallallahu Alaihi mentioned some signs. Now there are some which are the very major signs that will happen very close to Qiyamat. The appearance of Yajuj and Majuj, the appearance of, appearance of Dajjal. These are all very major signs of Qiyamah and very, very trying and challenging times that will come. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. And the other major signs that will happen. But there are many minor signs, which Nabi Islam explained in detail. On this occasion, he mentioned two things. two things. Literally translated, this is that a slave woman will give birth to her mistress. In other words, somebody who will, she's a slave woman, she'll give birth to somebody who will own her. In some revives, Rabbaha, her master. She'll give birth to her, she's a slave. How can a slave give birth to someday somebody who will become her master? Again, there's detailed explanations of this. The Kalam of Nubuvad the words of Rasulullah sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, every line of it is oceans of knowledge. But just the summary of this, that the muhaddisin explained that what this actually refers to is that there will be a transformation of values. There will be a complete revolution in the system of things. Now the master is normally, the master and the slave is subservient. Here the slave is giving birth to the master, so the slave will be one-up. This is the transformation. This is the revolution. Revolution? Parents will end up becoming in the position of the children. And the children will take over the role of the parents. Now, many would have seen that time, those who are the, probably in their 50s or a little later or a little bit around that age, the time of their parents, grandparents. And at that time, whether somebody liked it or not, but if the elder said something, that was it no, this is not going to happen, it's not going to happen. Whether you wanted it to happen or didn't want it to happen, no questions asked, not happening, finished, that's it. You're going there, you're gone. You sit here, you just sit quietly. Now, whatever the details of it is, whatever the merits of that way, whether that approach could have been changed in some way or not, that's a different subject altogether, but this much that there was that level of obedience in the juniors for the seniors. Whether they agreed with it, didn't agree with it, that's a different issue. Sometimes that was also something that what was being instructed was not necessarily the right thing to. So obviously that was not the correct thing to obey that wrong instruction. So people wouldn't offer many cases obey it, but they still maintain the respect. Which was obviously the correct thing to do. That whatever will be done will be done with respect. But now the time before Qiyamah world, things will turn around. The children say, we are doing this, the parents will say, well, okay, fine, what can we do? We will have to do it. The children say, we are not doing this, say, well, I can't help it now. Children say, we are not doing it. So now the parents then will have to just say, jiha, jihūzur, whatever it is. And likewise, the other role that will change, the husband will have to adopt the role of the wife. And the wife will adopt the role of the husband. Previously, the husband, he made the decisions. He called the shots, as they say. Now he's worried about catching a shot.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so now, whatever comes, say, well, one person, well, Joval person, he passed away many years ago. Spingo Beach. So every now and then, somebody would ask other friends and so on, say, what happened? You did this? He says, no, Hazard said, I must do it. After a while, What happened today? You're wearing a different kurta. I said, no, Hazrat siram was wearing it. Everything, every now and then, Hazrat. So one day somebody asked him, who's Hazrat? Who's your Hazrat? He says, my wife. (laughs) (laughs) So he just camouflaged it first by putting a title on it. But now the reality came out. So the thing is that this reversal of role, there are two aspects involved here. One is, Nabi Slasov himself said that as far as the treatment of wives are concerned, yaghlibna. That a noble person, a person of good akhlaq of good character, they'll become overpowered by the wife. And a person of despicable character, he'll remain dominant over them. The Prophet said, I prefer that I be dominated but noble. Rather than being dominating but a person of despicable character. That's one part of it. But that is strictly confined within the limits of Shariat and Deen. That that demand is being made of some sort, but it doesn't transgress the laws of Deen in any way. But where it transgresses the laws of Deen, then Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam didn't compromise on that. Now that is the part where this revolution comes. That no matter what the demand is, well now, Hazrat said it, now it has to carry on. So this is that revolution. Parents will adopt the role of the children, children will will come away into the position of the children and children will adopt the role of the parents. Husband and wife role will get reversed. The students will take the role of the teacher. and The teacher will just sit in the category of the student, meaning he will be dictated to. And like this in all other spheres of life this whole revolution will come about. Now this is the aspect which is a sign of Qiyamah that Nabi Islam is explaining. And then the other party explained was رِعَاءَ فِي الْبُنْيَانَ The crux of this again is that people who were totally down and out had no standing in society didn't have two coins to rub against each other they are suddenly now competing with one another in building high-rise structures that, that this will just become overnight now if you look in the Middle East and so on barely 30, 40, 50 years ago maybe Many of those who are trying to compete in who builds the tallest building, they were shepherds in the desert. If not them themselves, meaning their fathers, grandfathers, their very own families, maybe two, three generations up. They were all people grazing sheep. And suddenly the oil wealth came and other things happened and whatever happened. And these people who were grazing sheep, which the Hadith Sharif says, they are shepherds. There's a word in the Hadith Sharif. barefooted, don't even have shoes to wear. Now suddenly overnight they are competing in putting up high-rise structures. Now, all these are the signs of Qiyamah that are glaring in front of us. What is the response for us? This is just not as an academic discussion that this is a sign of Qiyamah. But the sign of Qiyamah is meant to make us alert that, look, this is not a time to be casual anymore. Not a time to take things for granted. Now when things are at a critical stage, the signs of the day, the very the major times are coming, then it is a time to now put in every effort to become even more alert and to become more conscious of Allah. Ta'ala. And in this way, a person's dunya also will get made. More importantly, his akhirat will get saved. Allah wa ta'ala, give us a tafik and all these lessons that we have been given in this Hadith Sharif. Allah ta'ala, enable us to imbibe it into our lives. sai do
0: ه تبارك وتعالى عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا يا ربي صل وسلمنا إما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم إذ الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو La ilaha illallah, 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 la ilaha la illallah, na ilaha illallah Inna la la inna ha. Inna la ha. Inna la ha. Inna la ha. Inna la inna ha. inna ha. 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 La ilaha illallah, La ilaha illallah. La ilaha illallah. La ilaha illallah. <iner acostum galaxies> محمد الرسول الله صلى الله تبارك وتعالى عليه وسلم. الله <abihan> الله جل جلاله عمن وانه.
2: Allah, 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 Allah,
0: Allah, 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 Inna Allah,
1: Rasulullah, اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناءا عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك نزل الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو اهله ربنا وغلبنا انفسنا وغلبنا انفسنا وغلبنا انفسنا وان تخل لنا وترحمنا من الخاسرين لا إله إلا الله الحديم الكريم سبحان الله رب العرش العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين نسألك موجبات رحمتك وعزائم مغفرتك والغنيمة من كل بر والسلامة من كل إثم اللهم لا تدع لنا ذنبا إلا غفرته ولا همّا إلا فرجته ولا حاجة هي لك رضا إلا قضيتها ويسرتها يا أرحم الراحمين Ya, Arham al-Rahimin. Ya, Arham al-Rahimin. Ya, Akram al-Akramin. Ya, Arham al-Masakin. Ya, Arham al-Rahimin. Illahul alameen, ya Allah. O oh most merciful, most gracious, most kind, most loving Allah. Illahul alameen, ya Allah. Forgive us, ya Allah. Allah, forgive all our major and minor sins, ya Allah. Allah, we acknowledge, ya Allah, the worst sinners, ya Allah. Ilahul Alamin all your bounties we have used all the time ya Allah all your ne'mahats we have used ya Allah we have not made shukr for it ya Allah Ilahul ya Allah and instead of shukr ya Allah we have disobeyed you in return ya Allah alamein, forgive us ya Allah Allah give us the reality of shukr ya Allah Grant us your total obedience, Ya Allah, which is the reality of shukar, Ya Allah. Allah al grant us the taufik of the verbal shukr also, Ya Allah. Grant us the reality of the practical shukar, Allah. Allah <quelan> al make us your true and obedient servants, Ya Allah. Allah <Bettanyacan> enable us to perform our five-time salah with jama'a, Ya Allah. Grant us khushu and khudu in our salah, Ya Allah. Grant us such a salah which you are pleased with, Ya Allah. Allah al Ya Allah. throughout the world, wherever the Muslims are, Ya Allah, you make their complete maghfirat, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, remove their suffering and hardships, Ya Allah. Remove their difficulties, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you grant Hidayat to one and all, Ya Allah. Grant Hidayat to one and all, Ya Allah. Grant Hidayat to one and all, Ya Allah. All the conditions that are prevailing, Ya Allah. We acknowledge this is due to our deeds, Ya Allah. This is due to our sins, Ya Allah. Allah, you forgive us and forgive the entire Ummat, Ya Allah. Grant us in the entire Ummat the Tawfiq of those Amal that bring down your Rahmat, Ya Allah. Allah, save us in the entire Ummat from those Amal that bring down azab, Ya Allah. Allah Al-Alamin, Ya Allah, keep us steadfast on Deen, Ya Allah. Keep us on Sirat and Mustaqim, Ya Allah. Save us from all the deviations, Ya Allah. Save us from all the Isms, Ya Allah. Billahual alameen ya Allah. Full our hearts with your muhabbat ya Allah. Full our hearts with your muhabbat ya Allah. You become pleased with us ya Allah. You become pleased with us ya Allah. You make us ours ya Allah. You become ours and make us yours ya Allah. You become ours and make us yours ya Allah. We have you, we have everything ya Allah. We don't have you, we have nothing ya Allah. Billahual alameen ya Allah. You alone are the doer ya Allah. Only you have done ya Allah. Only you can do ya Allah. Allah, you make us your true servants, Ya Allah. Ilahul mm-hmm. alamin, Ya Allah, you grant us, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, that good Ya Allah, that Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam begged for Ya Allah. Ya Allah, you enable us to live the way of life that Nabi sallallahu sallallahu wa wasallam displayed. Ya Allah, Ya Allah, grant us the tawfiq of Ya Allah, living the Mubarak Sunnah. Ya Allah, Ya Allah, give us the love of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Grant us the love of his Mubarak way of life. Ya Allah, Ilahul Alameen Ya Allah, you save us from all the d- ways of the Yahud and Nasara. Ya Allah, Ilahul Alameen Ya Allah, you protect us from their ways. Ya Allah, Ilahul Alameen, Make our thinking the thinking of the Sunnah. Ya Allah. Allah make the aspirations of our heart of deen, Ya Allah. Allah make our aspirations the aspirations of the sunnah, Ya Allah. Allah, all those who are sick, give them shifaiya kamila, Ajila, mustamirra, daima. Allah remove every trace of their illnesses, Ya Allah. Allah, all those in any kind of difficulties and hardships, remove it afiyat, Ya Allah. Allah grant barqat in each one's risk, Ya Allah. Grant halal and tayyib risk to one and all, Ya Allah. Allah, those who are in financial difficulties, remove it afiyat, Ya Allah. Allah, those who are in debt, Ya Allah, make the easy payments of their debts possible, Ya Allah. Allah, all Ya Allah. Allah all those who have asked us to make dua for them ya Allah you grant them the best of the dunya and akhirat Ya Allah 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 all those who have passed away Fill their khabars with noor Ya Allah Make their complete maghfirat Ya Allah Grant them the high stages in the akhirat Ya Allah At the time of order take us with the kalima La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah Allah take us on iman e kamil Ya Allah take us in tawbah nasuh ya allah take us at a time that you are pleased with us and we are pleased with you ya allah ya allah make our qabars gardens of jannah for us ya allah grant us the shafaat of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam allah give us jannatul those without any reckoning ya allah ilahul Alameen, ya allah all the good that rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam begged for ya allah we also begging for all the good ya allah whatever nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam sought refuge from ya allah you grant us protection as well ya allah ilahul Alameen. all those who have raised their hands to this dua ya allah you are the know of each one's heart ya allah you know each one's needs ya allah Fulfill each one's needs from the ghayb, Ya Allah. Fulfill each one's pious aspirations, Ya Allah. Remove each one's difficulties and hardships, Ya Allah. Remove each one's worries and sorrows and grief, Ya Allah. Ilahu al the best of dunya and akhirah to each one, Ya Allah. Ilahu al ya Allah, unite the hearts of the Ummah, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of spouses, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of parents and children, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of brothers and sisters, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of family members, Ya Allah. Unite the hearts of the Ummah of Rasulullah, sallallahu alaihi wa اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر مستعذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآل سلمى وعین والحمد لله.